Well, good morning, everyone, and just great to be here again today. You know, this year, I told Jana this morning, I said, I think I've only missed one Sunday this year being in this room besides uh, uh, July 5th, and that was when Allie preached a few months ago, or last month. I like being in this room. I like being in this room with you guys, and but we also love the fact that we can be all over this country, literally around the world, and we're just so thankful for you guys that are out there and hanging in there with us, and we are working our way towards hopefully sooner than later, hopefully it's sooner because we're further along, that everyone can be back in the room, and uh, it'll be a little bit more normal in some ways, but I'm just so glad to be able to be here, and uh, yeah, excited about the news last night, and uh, uh, when Colton and Summer FaceTime me, I was shocked because I did not prepare for a FaceTime. I'm not a big FaceTime guy, so had not done my hair, had a cut-off shirt on, been out in the yard, and boom, I get this FaceTime, and it's like, oh, hey, how's it going there? And uh, anyway, to see that, well, two things I told him first, Summer showed me the ring, and I said, well, she must have said yes, of course, and Colton, yeah, and, I, and Colton said, well, it's done. I said, no, he ain't done. It ain't done, man. There ain't nothing about done here. I can tell you that. I didn't go on to that. There ain't nothing done at all. It just started. So uh, anyway, excited, excited for uh, summer's already a part of our family, but to make it maybe a more official, I guess, is maybe the way to say that. And um, have you ever said this statement to yourself? maybe even out loud to someone. I would rather fail trying to do this than succeed in anything else. I would rather fail at trying to do this, whatever this is, than succeed in anything else. I hope when a person gets married, both parties are saying that. This is so important. This is, this is not something that's temporal. This is, not some, this is eternal in this sense. This is something that is going to last for our lifetime. I would rather fail at trying to do this and give everything I have than succeed anywhere else in my life. I'd rather fail as a parent putting everything I've got into it. I don't mean fail because so many of us know you can give everything you got and your kids still do what they want to do. But my point is this, though. I'm going to put everything I've got into this. Doesn't mean I won't do other things. But I'd rather fail at trying to give everything I have to this than to succeed out there at that job or at that sport or at that anything else. I would rather be, I'd rather succeed, I'd rather fail in being the most person of integrity that I could possibly be in Christ's likeness than succeed in owning all these things. If you have said it, ever thought it, I hope it's others focused, not you focused. Because you don't have a legitimate, bona fide kingdom dream if it's all about you. 
It always has to be about others. And the only reason I know that is I read the scripture and I saw Jesus. And it's not complicated to figure that out. Something you're convinced of. Something you've got deep convictions about. Something you are compelled by. Compelled in such a sense. When a person falls in love, like I did with Jan, I was convinced she was the one. I had a conviction I was going to manipulate her life till she knew that also. (laughs) But I was compelled. I couldn't help myself. I could not help myself. I tried. There's times because she kind of broke it off for like, but we're only dating for like two months and 12 days. We got married. So there was no long breakup in there anywhere, okay, just because there just wasn't enough time. But the point is this, though. When she would kind of push back, I was just like, no, I have to do this. Those can be awesome things when you're compelled, but you can also be, if you got wrong information, can be pretty dysfunctional and destructive. There are times we get convinced of things and we have this deep conviction and we want to do something about it. Last year, I just got back from vacation and I was uh, my truck and come to the church, had a board meeting that night, late night. I figured it'd be most of the time it was. Zoom is awesome because we get off those board meetings really early, don't we, board members? It's kind of cool, isn't it? You just get in, get out. Yeah, I love you, but no sense in hanging around if we don't have to, huh? All the driving and all the other things that go with that. We'll get back to that, so. But I get back and I, 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 I like my truck had been sitting in our barn and it was a mess. I mean, it had dust all over because it's in monsoon season. Had the birds decided to perch above it. Okay, you know what that looks like while I was gone for a week or so and two weeks. And so it looked, it was a mess, but I was on the way here to get gas and I was right, almost on E. And I started to turn off on Thomas Road to go to the QT there on Thomas and 24th Street because it's usually lower in price, but I forgot. And so by the time I realized that, oh, Indian School, okay, well, there's a Circle K at 24th Street and Indian School, so I thought, okay, I'll do that. So it's a little more convenient. I don't want to go back. I don't want to get gas, you know, late at night. I'd just rather get it at this time. So I whipped in there. You know, 8, 8.30 in the morning, whatever time it was. And, and uh, those of you have, I mean, have, have fries rewards on your fuel. Well, I whip in there, punch my little number in, boom, 30 cent discount. It's going to be a great day. Ever felt that? Going, hey, this thing is going good. Great day. I, I, I get out, put my, put, put my, I already had my number in, put my fuel, uh, 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 nozzle in and and hit 87 okay and uh, went to wash my windshield because again it's a mess and like I said the bird droppings and the dust and the whole truck's a mess but I can't hardly see out I couldn't use my windshield wipers if if I needed to and so I've washed the windshield off come back around the nozzle looks like it's clicked off and so I pull it out put it in it says 80 something dollars and 27 gallons Well, first, I've never put $80 of gas in my truck ever, especially with 30-cent discount. And it says 27 gallons, and I have a 25-gallon tank. Circle K is up to something. 
If you work for Circle K, I'm not here to hurt your company. Just listen. I am convinced in that moment that my day's not going to be a great day. And what time it took to wash my windshield, my day went from being a great day to not such a good day. And now I'm, con- I'm, I'm convinced that Circle K is up to something. I got a conviction. I'm going to go in there and say something to them about it. So I walk in there and I stand in line and I said, I want a receipt, ma'am. I said, you know, your tank, your, your gas there said 27 gallons and I've only got a 25-gallon a tank in my truck. And I'm really nice. I, I, to be honest with you, I really was nice. I said, you know, I'm just trying to figure out, so I need a receipt. And she looks like she could care less. She gives me the receipt, and I'm telling her my story. She doesn't care. I said, well, she said, well, you could call corporate. And I said, I'm going to do that because I'm now compelled. I am upset. There's a wrong has happened, and there needs to be a right. Justice needs to happen. Because if they're doing it, they're not just doing it to me, right? They're doing it to other people. So, man, I got, I'm, I'm on a roll now. I'm fired up. Not at anybody in, per, in, 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 in close contact, uh, contact. I'm just fired up inside. Bad day now and all this kind of stuff. And I, I get out there and I get in my truck and start it up and it's still on E. I realized I never reset the tank and I didn't have any gas in my truck. And the 80-something dollars and the 27 gallons was from the previous customer and I'd never reset it. Have you ever been there? You got bad information. Your facts are not right, but you're fired up. You're convinced. You've got a conviction now to make a wrong right. And you have to. You've got to go do something about it. And that is great if you've got the right heart and the right facts. But man, you can be fired up about something and to want to have justice at times, and it can be in all kinds of different ways in our own homes, in our own, in our own relationships, in culture, when you want to have justice and be fired up and not have all the facts. You're convinced. You're convicted. You're compelled. That can be a beautiful thing when it's with the right heart. And the right facts. But man alive, can it be destructive if it's not? Today I'm going to talk to you about something I've talked about a ton here, so it may sound a little old, but I hope not. And it's about why we believe we are here at Renovation are here. Sometimes you have to, anybody know, sometimes you have to remind yourself why you exist. Sometimes you have to remind yourself why you are who you are. Because it gets, it gets muddy, doesn't it? It gets blurry at times. It gets, 
you're, you're going either fast-paced or too many things coming at you. You don't really want to go fast-paced, but it's causing you to go fast-paced. And so many things happening. And if you look up and you go, what am I doing? Why do I even do what I do? How am I here? Why are we here? And just a reminder today, and, and again, we're going to starting a series next week called Salt and Light. It's a series about, really, and we'll talk about it in our vision statement, salt and light, where you are engaged and influential or should be engaged in becoming influential. I believe through salt and light, there's a chance some of you are going to start some new things. Because God's going to begin to convince you, to convict you, and to compel you to do something. Because one of the things we've talked about during this summer, and talking about the greatest in the series, the greatest I preached on, one of the things is, is the difference between empathy and compassion. Empathy is this, and the way I, I think it, and I'm understanding of it, is empathy is I feel what you're feeling. I feel what's going on in your life. I feel it I the best I can understand. I can't always understand it because there's no way I can. I mean, people of different race, I can't always feel what somebody else has felt. I just can't. There's nothing I can do, but I can have empathy. But then there comes that point from empathy moves to compassion. It means I want to do something about it. I feel it so much, and I feel called to go do something about what I am feeling. That, here's the tricky part. God doesn't always give us the clear path of what that is, but you know something's stirring. So just a reminder today, a few things about Renovation Church. One is why we're called Renovation I appreciate somebody's, uh, I don't know if Jim Dunning's uh, a friend of mine is listening, but he sent, many of you know him, but he sent me a, 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 a devotional he has that's given, I think maybe every day or every week, I don't know, sent this week. It was all about renovation. It's actually talking about golf, but he's talking about the term renovation can be put in the place of the word transformation. So if you want to know what we're about here, it is about Transformation. The word renovation is the word that comes, renovation comes from the word, the Latin word renovare, which means to make new, to bring vigor, to bring life. The reason why you want to, the reason why we want to renovate in all the houses we, Jan and I have flipped over the years, and some of you have done that too, is that you want to bring it back to life. You want to repurpose it in some ways. Our logo if you've seen that, you know our logo around here is a, is a construction sign that the yellowish color is supposed to be that. It doesn't show up as well here, but, but, but it is that, uh, that color of a, of, of, of a construction sign, and it's broken into pieces, and those pieces uh, in the middle of all the broken, it represents the broken world and broken people, which we all are, and it represents that brokenness, and the cross is the bridge to all of it. The cross is what draws it back together. The cross is what makes it whole again. Even when it looks broken, it can be made whole. 
And our commission here, if you will, and I'm going to talk about our passage of Scripture we come from, but our commission here is the commission for every church and really every Christian. And it's found in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority, and I could probably quote, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, since I have all this authority, I'm not sending you out on your own, by yourself, figure it out, go do it. No, all this authority, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely, I am convinced, you should be convinced of what Jesus Surely, I am with you to the end of the age. Let me say this just real quick. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've never been baptized, I know this is not what this message is about today, but one of the things people... Does baptism get you saved? The answer is no, but people who are saved get baptized. People like us get baptized. It's just part of the progression. I'm not saying it makes you saved. No, don't ever hear what I'm not saying. But it is part of the journey. But to make disciples... With that said, and what Jesus and none of the scriptures show us, is how exactly you do that. There's not a formula for 2020 Western culture, go do it exactly this way. There are some things, foundational things, no question that has to be there, but exactly how that looks in an air-conditioned room with 100 degrees outside we got that, not everybody else does. And they, here's the thing about a lot of places around the world, it's going to stay 100 degrees for the next six months or 12 months out of the year. We at least get some reprieve. I feel that in the air right now, don't you, every morning? Yeah, if you don't live in Arizona, I know some of you are watching from across the country. If you don't live in Arizona, there's a different feel in the air in Arizona this week and coming forward. We are not wishing the next six months away, just so you know. Some of you may have wished the last four months away, <laughs> but the next six, I am betting most of you in here are not wishing that away. That's my guess, right? Oh, you can feel it. Isn't it weird, though? Even like I said earlier, and I don't want to get too off track here. Isn't it weird, though, that one little thing like getting up in the morning and it's 70? And yeah, it's 70 we feel is great, okay, just wherever you are in the country, uh, but we get up and it's 71 degrees and we just, it lifts your spirit. Is it supposed to do that? I don't know. It just does. It just does. I have no idea where I am on my notes. <sighs> Why are we here? 1 Thessalonians 1, 1 through 5, Paul and Silas, Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians, the Thessalonica, the, the, the town, and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace and peace to you. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember you before God 
And Father, your work produced by faith, your, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God. I was trying to decide whether to wait a second, but go ahead and read it. That he has chosen you because our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power. Same word there that's used in Acts 1.8. You shall receive what? Power. Dunamis power. It's the word, we, it's where we get the word. Many of you already know this word, where we get the word dynamite. You shall receive power to be my witnesses or my, unfortunately the translation there is my martyrs. <laughs> In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Back to Matthew 28, right? What is your purpose? Why do you exist? But here's what I think is a huge thing. But, but also with power, with the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. You know how we live among you for your sake. It goes on in that chapter, and you can read it, 1 Thessalonians 1. It talks about you guys have become a model. You've become influencers around the world. Wherever we go, we hear about you guys and what you're doing. You have set idols aside, and you've become this force for the kingdom, basically. And 1 Thessalonians is about there's more to this. Then 1 Thessalonians, really, if you want to dive into it and study it, there is some end time, which Dr. Dan may bring up, but there's some things there going, man alive, there's more to this. We are to grow. We are to mature in Christ. There is more to this. But that's really where we get our mission statement. What produced, uh, uh, work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope so our mission statement here is to live by faith to be known by love and to be a voice of hope faith that God no matter what 2020 has looked like for some of us we believe that the future God has for us is better than anything we've experienced in the past he has a hope and he has a plan and he has a a map for us for us to step into but for many of us, this year was, was a huge thing as far as overcoming. I was telling Jan, you know, I felt like the first three or four months of this pandemic and working through all of it, I mean, I was so engrossed in from all kinds of different things. And again, we've said here over and over that we believe in the mystical and the rational. We believe that God does things supernaturally. We also believe he uses, he uses medicine and he uses science to help. But they're both of them. We move them forward. So trying to study all those things. And then the unrest that's in our country, which we need to address and need to look at and how that all works out and what part we can play in that. But man, there comes a point where you're just fatigued. Anybody fatigued yet? Fatigued from, from all kinds of different things, from all the inundation of all the information and conflicting information and who do you trust and all those kind of things. You just get fatigued. What I love about it is we just leaned into our mission, vision, and values. We didn't have to go hunting around for them. We already knew what they were. They were established a long time ago. 
And what happens to many of our lives, maybe your life, you get in the middle of a, a craziness of your life and all of a sudden you don't even really know what your foundation is. You don't have things to go back to. You don't have values. You don't have those things to go back. This is why I exist and I just go back to that. For us, it was an easy pivot in that sense. Now there's a lot of other complicated things like live streaming and a lot of other things that we did. But the point is, because we had nailed these things down, it was easy to pivot to that in the sense of what easy means in the middle of all this. But I love what Brian Houston says about faithfulness. Because see, to, the, only way, the only way that you can live by faith is to be faithful. The Hebrew people would have never thought that you had faith if you were not faithful. It didn't make any sense. So those, those things interchange, so you have to have those together. But Brian Houston says, faithfulness is holding on to your purpose and trusting in God's goodness in the midst of all the peaks and celebrations, mountaintops, as well as the trials, temptations, tragedies that life throws at you. This is how you grow grounded in grace. To be known by love. There is a world calling us to live up to all the potential God has in us. And the only way we ultimately do that is through love, the divine love. And to be known by love means I promote others' good. Wouldn't it be great if we had a political environment where our intention was to promote others' good? And my intention, no matter how much I disagree, no matter how much I, it is, I want the best for you. Because if the best for you, when I'm good to others, I'm always what? Best to myself. It just makes sense. It makes no sense to not want the best for others and to do good for others. Because in the middle of that, we're harming ourselves. It makes no sense. We were designed to promote the good of others. And in the process of promoting the good of others, we always promoted the best for ourselves. Oh, sure you get hurt. Sure you get burnt. But when you're secure in who you are, you're willing to take that risk. Sure, we get burned along the way. This world needs us to get healthy and whole so we can love them the way and help them the way God's calling us to. Produced by faith. Voice of hope. What I love about the fact is that hope not only allows me to look at my life with some great expectation, believing in the unseen good not yet here, the unseen good that's not yet here, I have hope in that. But here's the other part about hope that I love so much that goes back to promoting the good of others. I can have great hope for your life. That God can change. God can take a heart that is hardened. God can take a heart that, is, that, is, that doesn't want to have anything to do with him. A heart that maybe has harmed people and flipped that thing around. There is great hope. We need to be those kind of people. People ask me a lot of times, Kurt, do you think the America's done and all this kind of stuff? I go, what? What do you mean done? 
I don't even know what all that means, but let me say this. I believe that the church thrives more in uncertain times because we have a great hope that doesn't change. Why in the world would we not be the most optimistic people in the middle of all this unrest? Because we have the great hope. There are people who have died for this faith still knowing they had the great hope. It doesn't mean everything's going to go great. It doesn't mean everything's going to go smooth. But it means you know you're grounded, as Brian Houston says, grounded in grace. To be known by love. To live by faith. To be a voice of hope. You could be known for a lot worse than that. And our vision here is to raise up influencers, witnesses, disciples. You, you put something in, but we call it influencers. To raise up influencers through spiritual transformation. To be salt and light where we're engaged and influential. I think this is going to mean more going forward than it did in our past seven years. The reason I believe that is because we've got more access to people. And I don't mean that in a weird way. God has, whether we were kicking and screaming, he has drug us into the online stuff. I think we're going to have greater opportunities, just like Thursology this week, to reach people we were never reaching before, and it's forced us there. If we get creative and we listen, and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit with deep conviction in doing some things, I think we've got a chance at this little old bitty church right here in Phoenix, Arizona, of making an impact around the world. Because what, 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 what online has done for us, people may, if we do the right things about discipleship, if we do the right things, it's not gathering a crowd here, it's an impact in the world for the kingdom. And you don't have to have 30,000 people to do that. Showing up on a Sunday. You just got to have people dedicated and committed, not just online. We're still going to have to have the community part of it because, let me say this, the three values we have here, transformation, mercy, and community. Community may look different for a short period or a long period. I think it's going to be in person and online both. And we need to figure out how to navigate that if we're going to make a huge difference. But I'll tell you what, one of the things I love about community, and I know there's going to be a lot of people who's going to be going, well, you know, now that you're online, I don't, and I'm not talking about you that are concerned about your health at this time, so please do not hear what I'm not saying. Again, I'm going to repeat that. But for some, health-wise, it would be easy for them to come to church right now, but it's just more convenient to watch online, and we're all for that on some occasions. But folks, I just believe something happens in the room with God's people gathered together. One of them is accountability, and we've got to figure out better ways to do that. And you've heard me say here before, young men, young women in your 20s, don't just hang out with people who are comfortable with you at, 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 over here and some over here. Don't just hang out with people who are comfortable with you in your mid-20s. Hang out with people who are going to grow with you so when you get to your 60s and you're matured in your faith, they're still comfortable with you. 
Thank goodness I was able to break loose of some of the people who were real comfortable with me when I was 24, 25 years old, and I was out at the clubs and doing all that. Man, I'm glad I bumped into Jan along the way for a lot of reasons, okay? But one of the things was by coming to faith, I began to hang out with people who were going the same direction I was going and who were going to grow with me and challenge me to grow in my faith. Steve Meeks, I'm going to go through these real quick. But here's the challenge we have, right? Sometimes I'm only preaching to the choir, as they say. People who are already saved, people who are already here, people who just want to, and I don't mean, and I'm not minimizing that. Please hear me. I don't mean that that way. But sometimes it's not people outside of this. But here's what happens many times. I love Steve Meeks. I don't know if you have the four stages from years ago that I've, I've shared with you before here. But what he calls it, when you come to faith in Christ, there's the initiation stage where you're euphoric, you come to know Christ, and it's like, yeah! Then there's the alienation stage. The alienation stage is everybody's not as perfect as I, in, the, in the church as I thought. They hurt my feelings. I got disappointed in them. Somehow God didn't come through. God let me down. Whatever, whatever, whatever. You're going down the list, and I'm not trying to make light of it. I'm trying to talk real fast so we can get all this in. But all of a sudden, somehow another God didn't come through or somebody didn't come through. That pastor didn't come through. Somebody didn't come through. So now I'm by myself. And what happens when I get by myself is I get exposed to my own sinfulness. I get exposed to my own self-centeredness. But what happens is if you're not careful and you're not in good community, you will turn that very thing that you're being exposed to about yourself and you will turn it to others. And you'll blame it on them. You'll make all kinds of excuses for staying where you are or going back to where you were. Oh, yeah. If you're not careful, you'll leave that church. You'll go to another church and expect them to be perfect. They're not. If you're not careful, and here's the other thing you'll probably end up doing is just getting with a bunch of other people in that church who are in the same place you are and just talking about it. God wants you to be here. Because it exposes us, but he doesn't want you to stay there. Because the third place is transformation. Folks, God is calling us to be transformed. And the last one is incarnation. Incarnation, or the ethos of our lives, is Christ-likeness. I don't know, folks, but transformation is supposed to lead us to the last one, incarnation. It's Jesus. It's always Jesus. It's always into his likeness. That's the reason 1 Thessalonians is our, kind of our, our book or our chapter there, 1 Thessalonians 1, because it is about Christ's likeness. It's always being transformed no matter what stage you are in life. And we, so we use here, well, at times we, we're trying to develop this, and I think we may have a, 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 my mind's running fast on this, but we call something called the five C's. How many of you in here have ever seen the five C's slide? You've seen it before. If you haven't, uh, but, but it is something that we are trying to figure out, how do we help people? Because here's the deal. I've never changed anybody. I can talk fast. I can talk cute. I can even talk catchy. But I hope and pray 
on your spiritual journey. Personally, I've never transformed anyone. It is by the power of the Holy Spirit and deep conviction. But what we want to do at renovation is give the best environment for that to happen, but never do what only God can do. And I believe we've got so much mess going on in our world and so much swirling of information. I think most people need a path. They just need help figuring out the clutter. So that's what we're trying to do. We need to lean into it harder. We need to be known by this. One thing we need to be known by is making disciples. Not cool campus, cool location. All that's great. Cool music. That's awesome. But it's all got to be leading to making disciples. Go back into the five C's, if you would. Just so you know, real quick, I'm going to fly through this. Conscience. Now, what that means is Roman 2 talks about it. We're all born, even though he's talking about even the, the Gentiles were born, even though they did not have the law, the law was imprinted on their heart. In other words, your conscience. It's already there. Even though you weren't, you may not even known anything about church or anything else, somehow or another, there's already a, a, a way of living already inside of you. But in that place, you're either ignorant of God, you could even be the staunchest atheist promotion of a promoting atheist and you're ignorant of God because you just don't know him you've never had that experience or you're indifferent to God that's where I was for years from the time I was 17 18 to the time I was 25 I was I became indifferent to God intentionally it's called hardening of the heart well no matter what God did or where he showed up, or what I saw, or that's words we were saying earlier of majesty. Ah, no, I, I wasn't going to give God credit for that because it scared me. So I blocked God out completely. Hardened my heart. Anybody in here ever hardened your heart so you wouldn't have to hear from God? Anybody at home? Maybe you're there right now. I don't want to hear from God because I know if I hear from God, I know he's real. I do believe he's real, but I want to be indifferent so I'm not moved by it. And the last one is combative. And it's for some of you, maybe today, or if you're at home or wherever you are, you may know friends that are somehow or somewhere along the way, God did something. The church did something. Somehow or another, somebody did something. And when you bring up God or anything, Christ or anything, it's like, boom, it's a fight. Concern is when, and again, through the transitions between the two, I mean, each one of these, concern is, is it true? Is it true for me? Is it true for me all the time? Is it conditional? Is it for everybody? We in the church of Nazarene, I'll tell you right now, in the Wesleyan theology, we believe it's for everybody. Not only do we believe it's true, we believe it's true for everyone, and we believe it's true. It's not conditional. Transition to convince, that means a person who's given their life to Christ. They're now convinced They've been persuaded. They believe that God is real. They sense it in their life. It's not just a little good feeling one day or another day or they listen to a song. But no, they're convinced. They're basing now, beginning to base their life on it, and they get comfortable. And what I mean by comfortable, you're secure in who you are in Christ, and you should be. That should never change. But be careful and not become complacent. And you've heard me use this illustration before. People become complacent, and then it's this. It's like getting married and making the commitment you'll never get a divorce. But not doing anything, almost anything, to have an unbelievable marriage. 
There's a different place from saying, I won't get a divorce to I want to live into the fullness of what God has called for us each individually and together as a couple. Complacent. Last one is capped, and there's a lot of reasons people are capped there. It could be addictions, it could be strongholds, it could be legalism, it could be fear, it could be shame, it could be regret. There's a lot of reasons why a person can be capped in their faith because they just can't, can they keep bumping? Someone say, they feel like they get to a certain place and boom, they're back down again. Boom, 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 boom. But there's a way out. Convicted. There is this deep down to the bowels of who you are. The scripture talks about the bowels where you know that you know that you know that God has spoken to you about this and there is no question about this and you begin to say this is unacceptable to live this way. It's not just having a conviction because convinced sometimes, convinced many times can be this, right? A lot of us know this about our health. We can be convinced in our brain That eating unhealthy and being sedentary is terrible for our health. Convinced of it. So it's not a matter of you're not convinced of it. I'm trying to pick on that, that we can go a lot of different places with that, but I'm just saying we know that, right? We're convinced of it here. But we haven't reached the point of going, this is unacceptable, and I am now going to do the things it takes. God is stirring in me. God is awakening me to a whole new world, and I am going to begin to engage it. I am going to do something about it with God's power and God's insight and God's community around me. I am going to begin to do something differently. I have been called not only to make disciples, but to be what? A disciple. Not a church follower, not a Christ follower in the sense of just showing up for church. A disciple. It means a discipline of becoming more. And the end result of dis- the end of result of legalism is bondage. The end result of discipline is freedom. Just ask any golfer, basketball player, piano player, or whoever it is. I mean, you can go to all kinds of different ways. But when you discipline yourself over and over in a repetition, of, especially the right repetition, you become free to go shoot the basketball or hit the ball or whatever it is because the end result of discipline is freedom. Disciple, discipline. And the last one, and again, is the compelled. Well, you're saying, I am now focused. All this other stuff's kind of falling away. I'm beginning to zero in on what I'm supposed to do. And you start, but I'm going to tell you this, friend. You don't get in one of these circles and go, I crossed over. Now the bridge is burned behind me. You've got to burn that bridge because the bridge will always be there. You can go back. You could go all the way back to indifferent. Pretty scary, right? Pretty scary to be all the way over there one day, and then before you know it, you're back over here to indifferent. Over time, it won't be, a t- won't be one day, two days. It just happens over time. But this holy discontent is God stirs in me and puts something on my heart that says, this is on my heart, Kurt. Young people. And I am calling you to make a difference in their life back in 1991. I know how that looked. 
I'm still working at Alumax. And the last one is, will you say, not on my watch? Not on my watch. I want to say to you today, you can be in any of these places right here. And back, go one more time, John, sorry about that. And you can attend a renovation or watch us online. Please do not hear that I'm saying, if you're not way over here, you don't need to be here. All I'm saying to you is this. You're going to hear over and over, we're trying to get you over there, and it may be annoying. God loves you the way you are. Christ loves you the way you are, but he loves you way too much to leave you that way. He's got a great plan and a great future and a great hope. He needs you to share the good news of Jesus Christ because if it's good news for you, it's good news for your neighbor. If it's good news for your neighbor and good news for you, it's good news for, for people you work with. It's good news for people you stand in a grocery store line with. It's good news for everybody or it's not good news for anybody. It's good news for everybody. It's good news. And we should be fired up. We should be ready to go. We should be have that right on the tip of our tongue when somebody had the scripture memorized. So when God opens that door, boom, you go busting through it. Not because you're trying to be turn or burn with a megaphone on the street corner, and you may be. Okay, I don't know. I'm talking about with the grace that flows from your mouth and your heart and your life into these people's lives because in that moment you prepared yourself. You knew what values to go back to. You knew what vision to go back to. You knew it. You knew it in the midst of all the chaos. This is my foundation. This is why I do what I do. This is what we were born for. Then you start going looking for people. And what I mean is you get up every day and, Lord, you pray to the east and the west and the north, the north and the south and the east and the west, and, Lord, bring them in. Bring them in, Lord, bring your people in. Lord, today, if I have an opportunity today, this day, that somehow or another because of the preparation you're doing in my life, I don't know if it's today, I don't know if it's tomorrow, I don't know if it's too much from now, but, Lord, I'm preparing today for what you have for me to do for you. Twenty twenty has reminded us if we're waiting for a year to not affect our emotions and allow for inconveniences to define us, twenty twenty will be a terrible year for you. What I mean by that is if you've allowed all the disruptions to go, this temporary situation is now defining me moving forward. Or you've been hurt, or you've been disappointed, or you've been whatever that is. Scripture tells us, Romans 8, 38 says, I am convinced that neither death nor life, and it goes all the way through there, I am convinced that nothing can separate me from the love of God. Deep conviction by the power of the Holy Spirit in deep conviction. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2 Corinthians 5. It's Christ's love that compels us. It forces us. I can't help myself. I've got to go do this. And he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 5, he, he says that we are Christ's ambassadors. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. If you've got things in your life that need to be reconciled, they need to be reconciled. 
The anointing, and I'm going to say it's strong, and I know it, but if you're not a person who's trying to reconcile, the anointing is fading. Give me 2 Corinthians 5. I don't have it on my notes here. I think I may have it up there. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced. There's that word again, right? That one died for all and therefore all died and he died for all. Keep rolling. That those who live should live no longer, should no longer live for themselves. It's always about others. But for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, ta-da, I like that word. When you see that, what do you ask the question? What's it? Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here, and all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, there it is again, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God. though God was making his appeal through you and I. I said earlier, we are people of mysticism and rationalism. We believe in the supernatural and we believe in modern science and medicine. But I am convinced and convicted that modern science does not have the answer of why I'm here. Modern science does not have the answer of what happens after I leave here. Only one holds that. I am convinced of. And his name is Jesus Christ. Some ask, why do you get so excited to come to church and to hear a story again that you already know the story? I can get that. But it's hard not to be excited when you want the one you know who holds your past, who holds your present, and holds your future. Deserve every praise. Because you know that peace has a name, hope has a name, joy has a name, this kind of love has a name, and his name is Jesus Christ. Why would you not get excited about that? In the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the confusion and the confliction and all the things that are going on in our lives, that I am convinced, that I am convicted, and I am compelled. That's what we're about at Renovation. We're trying to do our best to 
get that into your lives. I say we've done our best. I don't know. What I'm saying is we're going to try to do more to make that happen if we can. We believe it may look different than most of the time. And I realize today is a long one, and I am so sorry for me because I usually listen to my message before I eat lunch, and it's going to be a long message to listen to, so I'm bummed about that. See, I like preaching short messages so I can listen to them before I get home. But no, seriously, I want you to know about who we are, what we're trying to do here. And you can come here at any of those stages that I talked about in one through five. Now it's five C's. But just so you know, we're going to challenge you to go all the way to that fifth C. Because that's what we're about. Amen? Amen. I want to pray for you. I'm going to do this, and I know we're about to get out of here. If you're at home or wherever you are, if you're here, if you would just ask if you wanted me to pray for you as we go today i know we don't come to the altars right now and all the things that are around that we hopefully that'll happen soon but if you need prayer in this last prayer today would you just stand where you are and just just stand up and i just want to pray over everyone as we go today thank you If you're at home, I'm going to ask right now those, the rest of you, to stand with me if you want to. And if you're just not obviously touching other people, but maybe put your hand out towards them. If you're at home, just uh, as an act of movement, let's pray together. Lord, we just come before you today. Knowing you've got a call in our lives, one is to know you, to be reconciled to you. Lord, we know that as in Romans 12, it's all about being, being in you, being, becoming like you. But Lord, right now for some, it's been a tough week, a tough month, tough, tough six months from physical healing. And we pray for those at home that we think about and pray over all the time. Lord, some in our room right now, physical healing in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray over them. Lord, for relational healing, right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, we pray over them. That, Lord, that they, we, like, like all of us, we get ourselves out of the way and allow you to do something in that relationship that only you can do in the name of Jesus. Lord, for grieving right now in the name of Jesus, that your word says that they will be comforted. And, Lord, we pray that over these miles, not just this room, but these miles Lord, because one of the things that's awesome about prayer, your arm is not short. Lord, we pray today for those who have been awakened. They've moved from conscience to concerned, if you will, Lord. I pray right now, Lord, that you would allow us to be a place or they find a place. That those questions can be answered, whether it's in their home kneeling next to their bed or wherever that may be, or in the woods, or sitting on the side of a mountain, Lord, we pray your spirit on them. And Lord, we pray your spirit to stay after them in the name of Jesus. And I hate that for them because I know how miserable that was. But I love it when you draw us in. And Lord, I pray for those that maybe even this day have become convinced that you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but through you. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, Lord, they will confess with their mouth believe in their heart that you were raised from the dead you are the king of kings and lord of lords and they shall be saved lord i pray that they would tell someone whether it's online 
or in person of what that decision is today. Lord, we thank you today for this time. We love you, Lord. Thank you for our people. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.